Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. So good to see you guys. I'm Nick and I'm going to be wrapping up our series today on the Psalms. Hasn't it been amazing? Thanks for that positive response. Uh, I'm going to... Wow, we've got a rowdy crowd. It's awesome. Well, good to see you online as well. We love you. Um, And I'm going to be wrapping up with Psalm 84, which is a really, really good one. Um, And I want to ask you a question today. If you could be anywhere in the world doing anything, where would you be and what would you be doing? Would you be relaxing in the Maldives? Scuba diving in the Seychelles. Shopping in New York. Listening to Nick Herbert. Thank you, Louis. Rummaging through the frozen aisle at Waitrose. I don't know. Chat to the person next to you. Tell them where you want to be and what you want to be doing. Okay. Well, I, I love to be, I think my place, my favorite place is probably, it's not exotic, it's the football field. I'm good at football, what can I say? Um, but I love being there. And, um, but what this psalm I'm going to read is all about, it's about naming the fact that really in our hearts, deep down, We don't want to be anywhere else doing anything else with anything else, anyone else doing anything else with anyone else other than being right here in the house of the Lord, worshipping God, overwhelmed with wonder, love and praise. That's really the heart's true desire. Singing that song, do you remember like there's no place I'd rather be? There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love, here in your love. You know what? I feel we need to get this into our hearts today. So I'm sensing a moment of audience participation. And because there are three repeated lines, there are three sections, I'm feeling like in a moment this section is going to stand to their feet and shout out, there is no place I'd rather be. Then it's going to move on to this section and they're going to do it. Then this section is going to do it. And then it's going to go back to start and you're going to go, then here in your love. Then you're going to go, then here in your love, then here in your love. And there's going to be a reward for the loudest section. So are you ready? Are you ready, church? If you've never been here before, we can talk about it afterwards. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. Okay, faster. No, no. That was, that was amazing, you guys. And it was a draw. So there's no prize today. I'm so sorry. But look, no, 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 no. here's the thing, here's the thing. Whilst that is true, 
I don't know about you, but when I reflect on my walk with God, my passion for the presence of God, my passion for worship, my passion to pray, yes, I'm the prayer pastor. It, oh, I felt that deep, guys. It can ebb and flow. I'm not always in that space where it's like there's no place I'd rather be. I wish I was, and I want to talk today a little bit about how we can retain our passion throughout the different seasons and stages of our life, our passion for God. You know, it's the passion project, okay? And, um, and I believe more than ever that what the world's looking for, what we want to see as well is just a church that's on fire for Jesus, on fire for the dwelling place, longing to be in his presence. It was said of the Welsh revivalist Evan Roberts, you know, revival begins in a heart that is completely sold out to seeing the kingdom of God revealed upon the earth. So, I want to read this psalm to you, Psalm 84. It's going to come up on the screen. For the director of music, according to Gittith. Now, I want to stop there. <laughs> because that's a weird word, Gittith. And I thought about it. I thought, what does it mean? And I looked up, and do you know what? It means it's an unknown musical instrument. So I want to give you permission today, the next time you see Luke Hellebronth on stage with his guitar, we can go, wow, look at that Gittith up there. <laughs> of the sons of Korah, a psalm. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. A place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Bacar. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Now, I want to stop there because that verse always speaks so dearly to my heart. I always feel the Lord affirm something in my life when I read that. You know, he says, look, I know, Nick. I know you don't want to dwell in the tents of the wicked. I know you don't like camping. I mean, no one likes dwelling in a tent. And I feel he's given me permission that next year when we do wildfires, he said to me, you can have an Airbnb all to yourself and it's okay. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us today. You'd reignite our passion for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what an amazing psalm of passion for God, for the presence of God. So who wrote it? Well, you might have thought it was King David, the passionate king, the man after God's own heart. But it says here it was written by the sons of Korath. So who were they? I mean, they sound like a, a death metal group, don't they? Like the sons of Korath with their new song, How Lovely Is Your Dwelling Place. But they, by David's time, David's era, they were Levites. They were the worship team in the temple of God. 
They were the guys here preparing the music, singing the songs, leading the people in worship. But I want you to understand something about the backstory of the sons of Korath because it changes everything about the way we understand this psalm. Because if you look in the Bible, in the book of Numbers, and Numbers chapter 16, we don't have time to read it now, but I want you to look at it. There's an incredible insight into the sons of Korath. And it's during the wilderness days of Moses, during the Exodus, where um, basically this guy called Korath leads a rebellion against Moses. And he gathers 250 community leaders together to oppose Moses, who stands for the presence of God. Moses, God's chosen, who, who stands for the glory of God. And Korath gathers all these leaders, and, and he goes up to Moses. And what happens is God doesn't like it. So God does what he does from time to time in the Old Testament. He does an almost total wipeout. And he basically nearly destroys all these people who come up and try and oppose his purposes and plans through Moses. But it says God spares one set of people. He spares the line of Korath. So then what you get is this idea that throughout history, there is this sort of thread that's woven from this place of violent opposition to God. Violent opposition to the passionate pursuit and presence of God. To these guys now, generations later, who are now the worship team writing songs about the presence and glory of God. And I know we've said it before, but I want to say it again. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, what your generational line looks like, what your history has told you. God can turn it around. He can make you someone who violently opposes the presence of God into someone who is passionate for him. And I want to encourage you today. I know there'll be some of you in here. This is for you. I know a bit about that. I didn't grow up going to church at all when I was 16 and through various circumstances and difficult things that happened. I remember I met a group of friends down the local park while I was playing football. And, and they saw how good I was and they wanted to hang out with me. And, and we were hanging out and basically it turns out they were Christians and after a few months they forced me, I mean invited me on a Christian summer camp. Um, and we went to this place in the east of England, somewhere between the villages of Thetford and Wangford. And basically they gathered in this place, this school hall that um, was, was essentially, um, all day it was sporting activities, but in the morning and the evening, we'd gather in the school hall to worship God. And it was the first time I experienced the dwelling place of God. It was the first time I experienced the house of the Lord. It was, it was incredible. I mean, I remember hearing these songs and that, they, they, you know, some of them were simple and easy and some of them were kind of, you know, you could get hold of them. Some of them felt like they'd literally been written in the temple, in Jerusalem, because they had this Middle Eastern lilt that got faster and faster and faster. I remember hearing this song for the first time. It said, Jesus put this song into our hearts. With, with a, you know, a, a section, audience participation. Hey, Jesus put this song into our hearts. Hey, and it got faster and faster and faster. By the end of it, you were like, you know, yeah, he's put this song into my heart at a rate of 300 BPM. Um, <laughs> 
Back then, worship was different. Now we look at the guitars, it all looks pretty cool. Back then, the worship leaders, they used to play these guitars called ovation guitars. They had a round back. That's fine. Apart from during the first line, the guitar just slipped down like that. And they just looked really awkward when they were playing. You know, it's like that. Back then, the way we speak from the stage was different. Now we say things with consummate ease and authority like, come on, church, lift your hands. Whereas back then, I honestly went to one of these gatherings and I remember someone going, you know, quite angrily, just the women. <laughs> and, and, then, and then the women sang this section and it was like, just the men. It was just really scary. I didn't know what to do. I was like, I just want to worship the Lord. But something was stirring in my heart. Get me out of here. Something was stirring in my heart, which was this beginning of this magnificent obsession with Jesus, like who he is. He was changing my life. I became a Christian. I encountered him. And then that, that went on to becoming, having a calling of being a songwriter from never doing any of this stuff. And you know, that's partly what we're doing here at Gas Street. We have Gas Street Music, a team of us. We're writing songs. We just want to tell the world how lovely is the dwelling place of God. It's what we want to do. It's just an overflow, a response to who he is. But it's not always that easy to be that passionate about God. Um, you know, I've prayed for many people over the years. I've experienced this. There's a scripture that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I've prayed for so many people who can rock up and be here in church, and they just feel sick. You know, callings have been crushed. Dreams are lying in the dust. That sense of, wow, I had a zeal, but now it's at an all-time zero. I guess they're the scars of the kingdom if you've been around a while. And we need to figure out how we're going to process those in order to retain our passion. At a more simplistic level, one of the reasons I guess we can struggle to retain our passion for the presence of God is simply what I would call undeclared distractions. Things that creep up on us when we try our best to get close to him. Recently, as a family, we went on holiday to France, to the Alps. Yeah, thanks. All expenses paid for you, buddy. Um, like, uh, but we went on, the, went on a holiday to the Alps, and we stayed in this chalet. And um, I remember um, one morning, we got there, we opened the shutters, and there in front of us was Mont Blanc. And you look at this mountain, and it literally screams at you, hello, you're on holiday. And you go, wow, God is the majestic maker of the mountains. He's sovereign over all. He's in complete control. You can't fail to get passionate about who he is again. And one morning, we got up and Ali and I, there were a few rooms in the chalet. We went into separate rooms to have our quiet time. You know, this is what Christians do, that you worship, you pray, you read the Bible. And for half an hour we did that. Then we reconvened and we went up onto this beautiful veranda to have freshly ground coffee and croissants with apricot jam. And we looked over the mountains and we saw these paragliders flying with the eagles. And during this moment of grandeur and beauty, Ali sheepishly confessed something to me. Now, before I tell you what it was, I need you to know she is paid by the Church of England to be a good Christian. She is paid to be a passionate lover of God. She's paid to do this stuff. She's trained to do this stuff. And she said, Nick, I found it really hard to focus on God this morning. And I wanted to leave it there. I wanted to say, "You look, one day you'll get there. 
you know, one day, one day you will reach my lofty level of spirituality. It's okay, darling. We're all on a journey. But, but I couldn't because what had been going on in my quiet, room, quiet time room was carnage. So I responded with this. You think that's bad? I ended up doing a Google search exploring the hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> and honestly, I still don't know how it happened. I started by reading the book of Isaiah. And then a word jumped out at me. I did this Google search that somehow led me to, to look at this guy who nearly died three times in the war. And then after he survived these three near-death experiences, he got an extra part in the screen version of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> and I was in my room going, is Quasimodo real? I mean, there's so many things that can knock us off course, aren't there? And if you're struggling to find the passion for God, here are a couple of things to get the Passion Project back on track from this psalm, this beautiful psalm. First thing is this. The Passion Project starts by remembering the good times with God. The Passion Project starts by remembering the good times with God. You know, right out of the gate in this psalm, that is what is going on. The psalmist isn't where he wants to be. He's actually not in the temple. He's remembering what the temple is like. He's going, my soul yearns and faints for the courts of the Lord. I want to be back there. He's remembering how great it is. You get this picture of him walking into the temple and remembering up in the rafters, these birds have made their nest. And in one of the translations, it says there, blessed are those who've built their house near your altar. What does that mean? Well, I think what it means is it doesn't matter where you find yourself in life. Remember the altar. Remember the presence of God. Remember the treasure chest of experiences you've had with him. Remember those moments when the glory fell. Remember those moments when maybe you experienced healing in worship. Maybe when you arrived at church, you couldn't wait to get here. You couldn't wait for the first song to start and you just didn't want it to end. Those moments when you were so hungry and desperate for God. And in turn, where he came and did something incredible. I've been thinking about a few for me recently. Those how lovely are your dwelling place moments. Even this last summer... Um, I was invited to lead worship in this tiny sort of chapel in North Birmingham for this event called Burn 24-7. Just to be clear, that's not about burning the organization 24-7, but it's a prayer organization that basically prays around the clock, and we were praying around the clock and worshiping around the clock during the Commonwealth Games. So I went up to this chapel, and I took um, my daughter Grace with me and um, Sam Barton, who plays keys, and um, we got there, and I didn't know, I, I knew it would be a bit rough and ready. It was kind of like one of those, you know, plug in, we're going to sing some songs. So I walked into this chapel, opened the door, and, and I saw three people, there were just three people inside waving um, oversized flags. So I walked straight out of there again. And I went onto the lawn, and I sat there, and we just, I just went to the guys, you know, I don't know how it's going to go tonight. We'll just go for it, you know, whatever happens, happens. Went back in when it was time to um, start leading worship, and the organizer came out of this door and he found me and he said, hey, Nick, I need to let you know something's going to happen while you're leading worship. And um, 
what's going to happen is probably roughly during the first song, we're going to be joined by 50 teenagers. And these, they're these guys, they're called the fire starters, and they've been doing mission work on the streets, and they're going to come in, and they'll be there for an hour and a half while you're leading worship. And I was like, I'm not prepared for this. Okay, let's go. We'll see what happens. So I start leading the first song, and sure enough, the back door opens, and 50 teenagers come in, and they fill the room. And it was one of those moments, it was like a face-off, like <laughs> I looked at them, and they looked at me. And we knew we were locked in this chapel for the next hour and a half. And we had a decision to make. And we just decided we're going to worship. And it was incredible. The Lord showed up. It was amazing. The passion that they had. They were on fire. They were praising God. Another guy walked in at some point and I, and I said, you know, and we just had a cajon on stage, one of those square boxes, you know, a cheap set of drums. And, and basically, I, I just said, um, has anyone here played drums? It would be really helpful. This guy walked in and said, yeah, I do. I've just come in from Bethel and I'm a drummer. I was like, okay, cool, come and join us. He was really good. It's like, wow. Um, and, and we just ended up playing, and we, we ended up jumping, dancing. The Lord moved. I, I, Aaron came along, who did um, Gastry Academy in the prayer department last year, and I got him to pray. The Spirit of God fell. People were falling on the floor. Uh, we didn't want to leave. When we did leave, I just walked out of there going, how lovely is your dwelling place? Everything was so wrong, but it was so right. It wasn't about being professional. It was just about being real. It was just about saying, God, you can meet with us when we've got absolutely nothing. And it's, it's, so, it's, it's always going to be an otherworldly event when you show up. And I want to encourage you, before you take another step this term, to pause and take a look back at some of the good times of God, some of those moments you've known that fire your heart up. And here's the second point I have today. Of two points, you'll be pleased to know. The Passion Project is about finding beauty in Bacar. I'm going to read this to you again, verses 5 to 7. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Now, in some translations, it says there, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. What a beautiful phrase, this idea that in our hearts, there's a highway. We're going on this journey to the presence of God. As they pass through the valley of Bacar, uh, as they pass through the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. So, what is Bacar? Well, it means weeping. So, they're talking about walking through the tough stuff. They're talking about those moments when you feel helpless hopeless, you're in the pit of despair. Have you ever experienced the Valley of Bacar? Have you ever been in that place? It can take you out. I remember a few years ago, many years ago actually, we, we, Ali and I, we experienced a miscarriage. And during that time, countless friends sent us this same verse. Psalm 84, verse 6, as they pass through the valley of Bacar, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains cover it with pools. And it was God's way of encouraging us to say, you know, even though you're in the valley, I'm turning it into a place of victory. You can find beauty in Bacar, but to do that, 
you've got to take your pain on pilgrimage. You've got to do something with your pain. What does that mean for us? Well, it means that when we come to worship, that we don't keep the world out there, that we bring the reality of our lives. This isn't escape from reality. This is about bringing God right here, right now. The pain that we experience and get it moving into the presence of God. It's about choosing to worship in the wilderness. And in that moment, a beautiful exchange happens in worship. The ability to feel again the springs, the river of life. I mentioned we went on holidays to the Alps, and during one of the days, Ali and I went on this walk um, pretty high up in the mountains, um, in this sort of mountain forest area. And as we were walking, we got talking about um, just, I guess for me, a sense that I've had for the last few months of just being feeling overwhelmed. You know when you look at the macro stuff in the world and it seems to be springboarding, like jumping from one chaotic moment to the next. You know, some that we can think about, of course, COVID, all the changes and everything that went on there, springboarding into the Ukraine, the devastation, stuff that's still going on, going on into the cost of living crisis, this tidal wave that's threatening to come towards us every day. They're just the headlines we hear about. There are so many more. Then at a micro level, also this sense of like, I'm still praying for breakthrough, for things I've been praying for for 10 years, dreams, visions I want to see in my own life. I'm still praying for healing for people that I know. Lord, please, when will you do it? Going from one thing to the next, please, would you break through? And you know when you add those two things together, I don't know what it's like for you, but for me it was like a pressure cooker. And this pressure's building and feeling overwhelmed. And one way or another, it's going to come out. And as we were chatting, we also talked about how we had each individually felt that God had been calling us to bow down and worship. And as we mentioned that, this row of ancient trees abruptly halted and there was a flat level bit of grass in front of us, which was a dry ski slope. So we walked out onto this bit of grass and we turned around and there below, we saw the valley. And we knew God was saying, here, now, this is the place to bow down. So we got down on our knees in the dirt and we lifted our hands. There were no rules. It was just, we're crying out to you, God. Please, please, please avert things that are just so smacking of injustice in the world. Please, God, please, would you bring this breakthrough? I'm crying out to you again, and I'm worshiping you. And there's this sense of just lifting him high, and something beautiful happened in that moment. We experienced the refreshing and we knew that there on the mountain path, that was a how lovely is your dwelling place moment. But here's the thing. To get that level of awe back, we've got to embrace the awkward kingdom moments. Church is not about walking in, sitting on a seat, doing what we know we're meant to do and then walking out again. So many times we can say, hey, come to the front and do this. It's been a long time since I've actually just walked to the front without no, no one telling me. How desperate are we? Because only he can do it. Only he can do it. And here's the thing. When you bow down on a mountain, 
you get a glimpse of glory again. You get a glimpse of glory. Why is that so important? Well, glimpses of glory, we need them because they give us strength for the journey. They remind us that the pain will pass. As we worship, there's a reminder, there is a highway. You pass through the valley of Bacar on the highway to Zion. And that's what happens in worship. So I want to encourage you wherever you're at. We're going to worship in a bit. And there's going to be an invitation if you want to come and just bow down. If you're feeling overwhelmed, whatever you're feeling, I don't need to know what it is. Just go there. Go there with God today. Kick off this term by saying, you know what? Wherever I'm at, I just want more of you, God. And we mentioned about Reset in a few weeks' time. We're going to be doing Reset. And, and I guess the vision behind Reset, as we've already talked about, but one thing I want to say, it's going to be a bit of a pilgrimage for us. Going from our different locations. And I want to encourage you, go on the pilgrimage. Go to Gas Street South. It might not be where you normally go, but when we do that prayer meeting there, why don't you go get the full picture of the family of God? Tuesday morning, I know we can't always do that. Some of us are working, but like if you're able to come along to pray. Wednesday, online. Thursday, back here at Gas Street Central for a kingdom come. Take your pain on a pilgrimage to those different places. And remember the good times with God. And that's how we build the Passion Project this term. Amen. Amen. Don't you love it when people do a high-pitched amen? Um, well, I do. Um, I don't know why, but it's comforting, isn't it? Yeah, it's, anyway. <laughs> why are you laughing about that? Do you do a high-pitched amen? No, okay. Can you do one now? No, so, why don't we stand? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And if you feel that the Lord's been speaking to you today. Should we just open our hands for a moment? It's a simple posture to say, hi God, I'm open to you. What more of you? And as we do that, just be honest with him today. Holy Spirit, lead us, we pray. And I can see the Lord is already moving, that the hearts that are being touched, hearts that are desperate for him. And if you know you're on this journey to say, God, I want the passion for you again. Why don't you just stick a hand in the air? Just let me know that's where you're at. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Loads of hands going up. And, and, and this is going to get messy, okay? But if you've put your hand up, I would love us to do something this morning to actually respond and come to the front and bow down. And we're going to sing this song, Foundations. But should we do that now? Come on, if you put your hand up, get out. Let's not be pretty about this. Desperation isn't pretty. Come on, if you're in the middle of a row, if you put your hand up, come out. Go to the sides if you want. Go, just get some space. Get out. But if you know this is a moment, say, God, I want the passion with you. I want it back. I don't want to go for the next 10 years remembering something that happened 10 years ago. I want to know right now that you are moving in my life. Thank you, Father. 
and where you are, engage at any level you want. If you're still standing, just open your hands. That's fine. Just ask the Lord. It's between you and Him. If you're feeling right now like, I love the presence of God. I'm desperate for Him. And I know that. And I just absolutely adore Him. I'm having the time of my life with the Lord right now. Thank Him. Don't wait for the band to play. Begin to sing your own song where you are. You just tell Him. Lead us where you are. Just tell Him. Go on. Just lift your voice up. Just tell Him, Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place. Something happens when we meet you here that doesn't happen anywhere else on the face of the earth. And we're so glad for that because we look at this earth, Lord, and we say it needs you. So we cry out and we cry out, Lord God, in our brokenness, in our place of pain, that you would restore the passion in our lives. Just you guys there, the Lord's doing something. Um, Yeah, you too. Do you want to just nudge... Yeah, I feel like the Lord's restoring something in your lives today. The Lord's restoring something in your lives today. And um, I just want to pray for that. I think he's bringing restoration. I don't know what that means to you. But, but does that mean something to you? Like this, you know, he's restoring your family. He's restoring what felt like it was lost. But he's restoring it and it's not lost. So Lord, I want to thank you. And I know this sounds silly, but for you, I just feel like the Lord's giving you a song again, the song you used to sing in your house. And that you used to walk around your house, and it doesn't matter if it didn't sound perfect or whatever, he loved that song. And, and you might have stopped singing it, and he wants you to sing it again. He loves it when you sing that song. So maybe if you can just get around, lay a hand on their shoulders, and just pray for them. Lord, I thank you for these guys. Restore their family, restore them that's it do whatever you need to do the beauty of the moments like this is that we're not doing the same thing we're just responding to God if you need to cry out cry out to him do what you need to do Father thank you thank you thank you Lord God and just for you there um, yeah mate with the um, blue uh, yeah yeah I just feel there might be a burden that you've been carrying and the Lord's wanting to lift that burden in your life and I might be wrong with that I don't know if there isn't one don't put one on yourself just for the sake of it but but if that is you just lift your hands up and just lift the burden into him today he knows what you're carrying he knows what you've been carrying at work he knows the things that felt like it's been really difficult and I just pray Lord God you'd release your power in his life again today renew Lord God I just wonder if there's an entrepreneurial you know thing in your heart as well to start new businesses to start stuff dreams and visions is that something in your heart I don't know if that is is it, is it well I just just feel like the Lord wants to release that again in you do you want to come down we'll just pray for you just pray that the Lord releases something in you today come on church let's begin to cry out to the Lord thank you Father stay here as long as possible sometimes we have this thing about response where we come we sort of think it's for 30 seconds then we go back no 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 we stay just stay to the end of the gathering here lie down if you need to do whatever you need to do but Lord we cry out to you maybe a few of the ministry team might want to come round slay a hand bless what God's doing white top you're just wiping your eye <laughs> yay 
I think the Lord's restoring the dance in you. He's restoring the joy of the Lord in you like never before. You are someone who carries joy. But I think there's a dance in your heart that he's releasing. You don't have to do it now. I'm not going to ask you to do it on stage. But Lord, release the dance in her heart again. That sense that she knew as a child, that's it. Just lift your hands. Thank you, Lord. The things that she knew as a child, Lord, let them be restored to her again in this day, we pray. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.